Good morning, and welcome to Lopes on Movies. For this week's episode, I had the great pleasure of interviewing my friend Daniel Scarpati, a filmmaker based in New York City. Dan recently released a book titled Gophers on the front lines of film and television, which explores his time working as a production assistant on various film and TV productions across the country. After I read the book a few weeks ago, I knew I had to get Dan on the show to talk about it. He has so many interesting stories to tell, and if you're curious about some of the finer details of how movies and TV are made, I think this is a really great place to start. Hey Dan, thank you so much for joining me. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well, Joey. Thank you for having me. It's a, it's an honor and a privilege. Yeah, I'm super happy to get you on the show. I mean, it's actually so so we we talked, you know, maybe maybe about like a week ago or so, um, just kind of setting up for the show. But it had been quite a long time because uh, so so we first met actually at a a film festival where we both had right. films in in being screened there. I think it was in New Jersey. Um, and yeah, it's something I don't talk about often on the show that at one point I was really into trying to make movies and I kind of did some, uh, some independent filmmaking on my own here at, at school. Um, and the one film festival we got this, this movie we made, So What, into was at this, uh, this place in this, this bar in New Jersey. And it was there that we met because you had a film playing there, Klaus. That's right. I think it was, br- I think if I remember correctly, it was the Brightside Tavern Shorts film yeah festival. yeah that yeah that's what it was called yeah 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 Yeah, and it was in jersey so the uh i just want to get a little bit of a so, some background on on your sort of interest in movies it's going from that to an interest in working in the industry so the one of, one of the main reasons that i'm talking to you today is that you wrote a a book about your time as a production assistant on on movies um and a production assistant like you you kind of describe it as as the 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 jobs that nobody else wants to do but that need to get done on a movie set goes to the all the production assistants and that's a very wide amount of jobs but it's very much an an entry level job it's something that the the pay is not necessarily very great there's no benefits the hours are grueling um and there's just a a large variety of different responsibilities that are going to be on a production assistant but the the logic is that if you work as a production assistant for long enough, you build a vast network of contacts in the film and television industry. You work on getting a a list of credits together that can help you apply for union membership down the line, yep. Um, yep. and and a lot of other kind of things going into it. So the trade off is like it's you know not very glamorous work, but the hope is that in the future it'll it'll you know do something for you. So let me let me just starting with that. So. You mentioned in your book sort of your your initial thoughts on on film, and I I feel like it takes a very particular person to stick with the passion for for movies to actually decide I'm going to be a production assistant. I'm going to do all this work. I'm going to pay my dues. So what what was it about like movies that really drew you to wanting to just enter that world at, at kind of like whatever it took? Well, I mean, there's a lot of things in the in the book, which, by the way, that that in case people get confused, the title is well, the full title is Gophers on the Front Lines of Film and Television, but the, yes. the short the shorthand of it, the Gophers, um, that is a term that if you look it up in the dictionary, I think it's the Oxford Dictionary is the one that actually aligns it with the film set. You know, usually a low low level person mm-hmm. who works on a film set to go for things. I first mm-hmm. heard it at uh, the Disney World 
Indiana Jones epics done spectacular. I remember I was sure. sitting there and they said, I'm a gopher because I go for things. <laughs> I never got called a gopher. I got called a PA. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, well, I did get called a gopher, but that was a little later on at the time. I hadn't heard gopher that way. And then later I did. Mm-hmm. I said, oh, now it makes sense. But it is one word for production assistant. Um, mm-hmm. There were movies I saw as a kid, just like I'm sure you have your movies. I think everybody who works in the industry in some capacity had something they watched when they were younger. For me, it was Jurassic Park. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, for you, it's probably going to be a different movie, or maybe for someone, it would be a TV show, or um, mm-hmm. or it could be, you know, a news piece. Some people who want to do like ABC News. Um, but the the whole movie making business, I I vividly remember, and I wrote about this kind of early on in the book that my my first glance at the movie making process was when Spike Lee was in my neighborhood uh, making this movie, She Hate Me. Um, mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I was so young at the time. I didn't know who Spike Lee was. I, I heard everyone saying his name and everybody was really excited. So I gathered that he was a celebrity. But it was seeing literally right outside my window, all these trailers lined up, all mm-hmm. the people. I mean, so many people it looked like hundreds of people who were a part of the crew, the cameras, the lights. And I, I was very from a young from a young age. I thought that was really cool. And it was interesting mm-hmm. that those people were working professionally in that capacity. And then as I grew up, I said, and found out, oh, it, you know, that, that's a real career that many, many people go. Um, mm-hmm. Those were all the formative things that I suppose led me to be very interested in behind the scenes work. I guess like after, after that, so you, you're interested in the kind of the behind the scenes work. And then as you get older, it's like, okay, that I, I need to kind of get a path for this. So you decided to, to go to college and study some of this, correct? Yeah. I, I've been making movies, movies, you know, the, another element of my life, which I didn't write about in the book. I, I kind of struggled with it for a while, but it's still something that one day I figured this is more for the memoir. If, you know, if the, if the life <laughs> is a success and that all of a sudden there's a bunch of people who care about my own personal life story, movie making, <laughs> movie, you know, we're not there yet. Maybe, you know, maybe we'll all be there one day, who knows, but mm-hmm. there's, there's an element of my life where I was really, I was severely bullied in elementary school around the time uh, where I, where YouTube was just coming about. Um, mm-hmm. and I had friends who made a little video on there and said, oh, you, you know, you could make videos and share them with people and there's a little audience. People could watch them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I guess I had a neighbor, uh, who I had no friends at school, but I had this neighbor who had moved in while I had those, no, that no friend at school situation. And he had a camera and we just started making movies together in, uh, in his backyard. Um, you know, he's since moved away, but we made videos, we put them up on YouTube mm-hmm. and I'd been doing that for a while. But you're right. When when I after a while, I said, okay, there's a lot I've learned from YouTube and I loved making videos and showing them to my family. And I I did theater in middle school. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you and a lot of other people can relate to this kind of story. It's just it's just like you're growing. You know, you're all of a sudden you're doing more and more creative things and you want to keep going. So I said Mm -hmm. college, any college really that has any kind of a film or TV department, I considered to learn more about the trade uh, and what it actually takes to make, you know, a professional I suppose sure. we could say a motion picture, like something right, on the yeah. Warner Brothers scale. So you, you, you then you, you go through you go through college. You you make a bunch of student films, I assume. Um, Klaus being one of them. Right. Um, you screen them in a, in a few things, and then you graduate, and it's like, okay, what next? And as we we've, we've kind of talked about in the intro, it's you decide to go into this production assistant world. So where did you first kind of hear about this entry level position in in filmmaking that so many people go into? Well, I first, I, I think I first heard about it, uh, predominantly it was in college. When I went to college, it was a few professors 
who were saying, you know, I, I, I went in saying, how do you go to become a movie director uh, in mm-hmm. high school? And, you know, when I was performing in theater, um, mm-hmm. I understood the, the backstory of someone like Steven Spielberg and how you can start out making movies and people get noticed. And then one day, all of a sudden, somebody gets offered a big project. And that's kind of how it goes. And, you know, that's still a way that exists. Uh, it's certainly not the case that you can't just make a great movie and, and the right person sees it. And all of a sudden mm-hmm. you're hired to be a director. It's, it's mm-hmm. happened to, uh, you know, a lot of people. It still does. Sure. Um, but on the other side of things, uh, the other hand, I didn't really know what the, if, if there's any kind of what it, it, it's it, I guess it's like this. All those people that I saw when I was a kid, I knew that they all couldn't have done that. There must be some kind of path. And in college, sure. they told me, the professors, that uh, production assistance uh, is kind of the, the widest entry-level job that most people will start out as, no matter mm-hmm. what they'd like to be. You know, editor, sound mixer, uh, assistant director, director, production assistant is that entry-level point that you, you know, you've done a good job mm-hmm. of explaining. The thing that I, I found so fascinating about the book when I was reading through it is that I, I kind of like secondhand felt the exhaustion that you must have felt working the job as a production assistant. I mean, like, so we're we're talking grueling twelve hour days, uh, general lack of respect from your bosses a lot of the time. Um, you're constantly hustling to find new jobs because nothing in the film and television industry is is a you know nine to five. You have this job. It, it's pretty much you're working for the duration of the shoot, and then you're looking for work. Um, you you never really have a moment to yourself because you're working you know twelve hour days. Um, you have to navigate some really kind of arcane union rules on set. Um, so it's a very good I, way of putting it: arcane <laughs> union rules. <laughs> I mean, it, it's it, it was fascinating, like reading it because this is one of the first times I've really like seen all of it laid out in in such a concise manner. Because obviously, I've heard stories from people here and there, but but this sure. was the first time. I was like, wow, this is. This this must be crazy, but like the <laughs> the, the question that I want to ask you is, as as ha- having been through it. So wh- why do this job? You know, like what is the light at the end of the tunnel for someone who who decides like, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna pay my dues and and work this this incredibly demanding job, um, and in hopes yeah. that it'll it'll lead to something in the future. That that is the question. That is the big question <laughs> that everybody asks, and you are not wrong to ask it. I I I didn't know. When I started, and I should say that this is where a lot of the the whole the the point of the book was. As I started PAing and did all these things you're saying and worked these crazy days, yes, the the minimum was 12 hours, and pretty much all all productions I was a part of, and I, I started on very tiny non-union things, and then slowly worked my way up. Non-union being, I guess, independent for those who might not be mm-hmm. familiar with, you know, usually independent projects are the ones that people aren't in unions, but once you reach a certain tier of like primetime shows, like I'm. Kevin can wade and Murphy Brown, where I was a, I was a key set mm-hmm. PA, um, or, or feature films. I worked as an additional PA on something like Paterno for HBO or Wonderstruck. Mm-hmm. Uh, once you get to that kind of studio level where you're working with union actors, everybody's kind of union. Everybody is union, um, mm-hmm. except for the PAs. That's the last position. Sure. It, it's, it's the point at which everybody says, okay, we have to have somebody who can fill the gaps between everybody else and do all those jobs that nobody necessarily wants to do bringing the waters into uh, the cast and crew and running them to the talent and the director um so it was really tricky to navigate and i kind of had to learn trial by fire but you meet other pas um who are like you and they too want things some of them want to be assistant directors some of them want to act uh many of them want to direct uh mm-hmm. i i found at least there were many of my friends who had ideas that they 
were writing screenplays while they were, you know, in their off hours. And the light at the end of the tunnel for a lot of people was, oh, I'm going to meet the right person or the right person is going to notice me or I'm going to be in the Mm -hmm. right place at the right time and Mm -hmm. get some kind of offer that's going to allow me to, you know, take the next steps in my career. It it Mm -hmm. is... It sounds like a gamble, and you say it can't be that much of a gamble, and it's 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 sort of true. I mean, the industry is small, and it's like so many people say, at least here in New York, which is the bulk of where my work was done, although I've done work mm-hmm. kind of across the country. I, you know, in Mississippi, I worked on some documentary productions and automotive mm-hmm. videography, and then um, uh, New Jersey and Connecticut, but uh, everybody sort of knows everybody, so as you're going along you're meeting a lot of people and you're learning their names and then you very mm-hmm. quickly develop a uh, a reputation uh, as mm-hmm. a great PA you hope and then you keep getting hired and soon enough if you say okay what I really want to do is assistant direct all those people who know you as a PA um will eventually say okay if you you know you get if you're on the union level and you do your time and you put your book in which is your collection of days that prove that you've done the work uh okay mm-hmm. yeah you know what we've seen you work as a PA we bet you do great as an AD. So we'll hire you for an AD. Mm-hmm. I hope sure. that it's kind of a long way to go about it, but it's sort of like an educated light at the end of the tunnel. Yes. Yeah, so like, I, I guess the, the, the next question would be, so if, if you're talking to somebody who's like, Oh, I, you know, I really love like, you know, I, I love Christopher Nolan or something. I want to make movies like that. Would you tell them, okay, you should be a PA to do this. Like, what do you, what do you tell somebody who's, who's interested in, in, in working at that kind of level of filmmaking, especially like a young person who's like, you know, really excited and kind of inspired by the, those kinds of movies. Well, you know, Joey, if I'm being honest, I wouldn't necessarily say go be a PA. Mm-hmm. I, I found that that was the path for me because I, I was very curious to learn how those types of movies, those Nolan movies were made on a professional mm-hmm. scale. Uh, I, I didn't quite have the confidence I have now in terms of going out and be able to being feeling like I was able to make my own movie. I I felt like I had to build that up. And by working as mm-hmm. a PA, I learned many interpersonal skills that I think are universally mm-hmm. translatable. I just read um, Dale Carnegie's uh, Dale Carnegie's book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. I think we talked about it in our call the other week. And I was just so mm-hmm. blown away that, you know, it's universally translatable life lessons. Um, same happens when you're working on a film set, you're talking with people. Even during the pandemic now, there's, you know, there's still a lot of interaction going on. But Take, for example, that's somebody who wants to be like Nolan. Uh, Nolan, one of his earlier films, if I'm remembering correctly, I forget the name of it, but it was it was the one where he made that early film where there was a bug man or his man, a man who was trying to kill this insect, this bug. And it was mm-hmm. a 10 minute short film. Uh, and I think, you know, I don't want to give it away in case you haven't seen it. It's available to watch on YouTube, uh, you meeting mm-hmm. the listeners. But it's 10 minute short. He made it. Great little twist at the end. Fun story. Uh, and I, again, I hope this is Nolan I'm remembering, but he went on to, I think, win a festival or two with it or share it with people. Mm-hmm. And he just kept going from there. Uh, and sure. eventually he reached a point where people saw his films and understood the quality of what he wanted to do. And he had ideas and he, you know, he made that path of becoming his own filmmaker work. So you can yeah. go that way if you have the confidence and the creative ideas. Um, mm-hmm. Or if you're looking for what I was, where you you don't, you don't necessarily have the confidence. You have ideas, but you're just so lost. And you say, what is it really like to make a movie? Being a PA is a great way to learn uh, behind the scenes, behind the scenes of how it works. Yeah, I, th- I think it's, uh, th- there's so many different paths you can take, you know, and it's, it's something that you, you really have to figure out for yourself. And, 
you know, commit to it, I think is the, is the big thing. And, you know, because it's, it, it's not some, not, nothing that you do in, in trying to get into movies is something you can do lightly. Um, which I, th- I think everybody that, that attempts it figures out pretty early on. Yeah. hundred percent. Commitment's an important word and paths is the other important word that you, you know, from seeing the book, but I had a little chapter dedicated to it. And it's all, that's a question I always heard where, you know, again, I, I, I having worked as a PA for about six years, you know, six years before I took the next steps and I started working as camera operator. And, you know, now mm-hmm. I work through my own little company. I do local videography and I still, I still mm-hmm. consider myself a young fledgling filmmaker. I'd love to get back mm-hmm. to making ones like, like the ones we made and showed in Jersey. Um, of course, yeah. and I can't, I can't wait to do that. I still feel like I'm working toward it. So I, I you know, my career mm-hmm. is young in that sense as well. Um, but it's important to remember that there is no one path to go. Uh, you you can you, you can start in one place and end up in such an incredibly different place. So far, you know the great mm-hmm. example. There was an actress I worked with, a stunt performer, who started out as a driver, uh, driving someone a set. She happened to be the right fit for. A, 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 I remember it was like a monster uniform that they needed someone mm-hmm. last minute on this non this non union independent project. She fit the costume, and they said, "Get over here, we're putting you in this costume." All of a sudden, <laughs> she's fighting as a monster. Then she goes on to take stunt courses. Now she joins SAG after as a stunt performer. Now she's working on the biggest <laughs> thing. You never know. That that's yeah. the funny thing about this industry. It it, it attracts people because of that because it's like the lottery. You don't quite know what's going to happen until you play mm-hmm. it. So I right, think yeah. it's, it's important to remember there's tons of different outcomes that could happen from the actions that you take. So here's just kind of one, one question I wanted to get into, because one thing I really appreciated about your, your book is that it, it's very frank about some of the, the challenges of working as a production assistant. Like, like you mentioned the sleep deprivation, and you, you tell an anecdote about a time where, where you had had you know, worked on an insanely long day and had to drive home after that. And it was incredibly dangerous, but yeah. this isn't, it's not an I uncommon story for people. I almost yeah, like, died. And I, and I, and I, yeah. I don't say it to be overly dramatic. I recognize, I recognize as soon as I laid down in bed that night, I almost died because I was mm-hmm. working as a PA because I felt like I had to prove something. Um, mm-hmm. And I almost paid my life for it. And that still kind of scares me a little bit. That was a day that kind mm-hmm. of woke me up to, don't kill yourself. We're not yeah, right. curing cancer necessarily by making a movie. There, there are limits mm-hmm. here. Yeah, and I, I just I think it's fascinating because like after that you had mentioned like you know talking to other people and talking all of them about like they're like bragging about all the, the the hours that they've worked and you know, but but everybody is sleep deprived. You mentioned like everybody in, in that yeah. is working as a as a PA especially is 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 you know not it's not a healthy lifestyle and it it just makes me wonder like. Man, how how is that possible? How can like how can they get away with with working people this hard? I know it, it's 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 very situational. I'll say you know I I I my experiences don't necessarily you know indicate this is the way that every PA lives mm-hmm. their lives. But I I can tell you that everyone that I worked with you know was sleep deprived. Yeah, <laughs> people right. who you know I mean struggling for sleep is an issue because you're working every day and people do it because they they they. They believe it's going to lead them somewhere, and in many cases, it will. They're, I mean, they're proving themselves, and their bosses are working as, you know, as hard or even harder or even longer hours. Some of the assistant directors that sure. I worked with, who are great, did even more, and the PAs, myself included, that's one of the reasons I worked that long day and almost got myself killed. I, I said I haven't worked as much as that other person who I know has been, you know, that AD who I admire has been working longer, so I pushed myself mm-hmm. to be like them. But I realized that not everybody, you know, is is the same in terms of 
physical ability. Some people, you mm-hmm. know, I need a little more sleep than maybe many of those people do. I guess I'm not ashamed to say. Uh, and sure. I learned that the hard way. So it's it's very situational. And there's there's reasons why people want to do it. And I think that Roy, Roy Wagner, um, who's a cinematographer, I, I, I quote him in the book, and I really like the way that he said it. Um, Hollywood only wants you to have one mistress, and that's her. And people, mm-hmm. you know, in, that, in the documentary where he said that people will do anything, people will do anything sometimes to get that. People will do anything to prove themselves, and, and you know, they'll work whatever, they'll do whatever. They don't care. And there's enough people out there like that that I don't think there's a there's there's no PA union for that reason. There's plenty of people who don't care for there to be rules because they say I'm going to get ahead by pushing myself to the extreme. Mm-hmm. Um, and not that that's a bad thing, but that's that's kind of the way I look at it. There was an, an interesting story you told, I think, about kind of a conversation you had with a a sound person, where you, uh-huh. you got the impression that this this person had like at one point wanted to like be a director or wanted to to do something, oh, but yeah, then they yeah, yeah. they kind of have become complacent and almost jaded by having done the the job for so long and kind of specialized they go into a specialized field and just kind of stay there and that kind of magic of of wanting to be somebody who's telling stories wanting to to be like an actual filmmaker kind of wore off a little bit do you think that that's like is that like the most common thing to happen or is that just a a potential Mm. risk that you have to kind of mitigate I wouldn't say it's the most common thing to happen, but I will tell you, I saw that time and time again, where at least what the people were presenting to me, was it the way they truly felt? I, I believe so. Uh, it's possible mm-hmm. there were enough people fooling me and trying to make me feel discouraged enough where they would thin out the competition and, you know, say, all right, sure. good, I got another person <laughs> out of here. So now, I, now I'm that much closer to directing the show. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's right. possible, sure. But there were, there were too many people on too many occasions that, told me stories that made me feel pretty, pretty upset about my peers. And I said, wow, I mean, that, that, that's a person who really wanted to, to try to do something. And they're not unhappy mm-hmm. with where they are, but they acknowledge that it's not at all where they want it to be or want to sure. be. But they keep doing it. Is that kind of like, I guess it's a sum total of a lot of things, but is that sort of where your head was at when you decided to kind of stop doing PA work? Pretty much. It, it was it was a sum total. But yeah, I recognized that if I kept on going like I was, I, I saw myself becoming an AD and I saw my, you know, by going through the, the days that qualified and joining the guild. Mm-hmm. And I saw myself keeping down that path and spending years doing that like many other ADs uh, do. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I, I recognized that that's a great path. And if you want to do that, you should totally do it. I think that there's a lot of good reasons to do it. But it wasn't the path I originally set out to go down. And I, I said, mm-hmm. let me let me pause and reassess and go down a path I think I'd enjoy a little bit more. So that's sure. that's that's a big reason for me. Are there any stories from the book that you're particularly fond of? You know, you hit on you hit on kind of a few of them. The, the driving one always gets me because that that uh, driving and falling asleep. I think that's one of the most important things that people need to know not to. Yeah, I think that's it's a big time cautionary tale. Yeah, that, I mean, and that's what, like I said, since it was literally, I, I can't exaggerate it, it was a near-death experience for me, it, it it sticks with me the most. But beyond that, there was another physical story of, uh, again, keeping it very short, but I, I ended up getting a polynidal cyst on my buttocks because I was <laughs> jumping in and out of cars and, again, not caring about my physical health. And I mm-hmm. ended up uh, giving myself a cyst that needed to be surgically removed. And, um, yeah, it, I would say that the the most important lessons really have to do with physical health and taking care of yourself. 
<laughs> one one story I I really thought was was interesting was uh, you, you mentioned a, a very brief interaction you had with Steve Buscemi. Um, yes, where where you had kind of you know you, you didn't really have much time to talk to him, but you wanted to just like say oh you know I really liked liked your work and I think I think you mentioned Monsters Inc or or something like I that. I did, I did, um, I did. I can't and, believe I did. Well, well, <laughs> it's it's interesting because right like after you had stopped being a PA and you found yourself with having a lot more time, you started checking out a lot of the the independent work that Steve Buscemi had done like prior to him being in you know do, doing like big movies big like animated movies and stuff and like this was I, like you know really down to earth like new york filmmaking like this is the, probably the stuff that a guy like buscemi is really passionate about and you you kind of lament so it's like oh man i wish like i wish i had had time to like know a little bit more about about the culture and everything so that when i actually talked to steve buscemi i wasn't bringing up you know monsters inc i was bringing up something and mr that, deeds mr yeah, deeds, mr. And mr. deeds right. <laughs> right yeah like i was Old bringing up something <laughs> so I, I thought that was really interesting because again like it's a trade-off you know if you're super passionate about movies and you want to you know just you decide to be a pa that's that's great but like what, are you gonna have any time to watch movies probably not that was the running joke that at least on tv shows i remember people would always say we're so busy making television that we don't have time to watch it and that mm-hmm. everybody said that costumers sound mixer everybody it was always like oh yeah you know they'd hear it and kind of shrug it off and walk away but you're right, the Steve Buscemi uh, job, or, or rather the time I worked with him, um, and I, I learned, I also thought his name was pronounced Buscemi, but apparently he pronounces it Buscemi. I learned that when That's I worked with him. Yeah, it's, it's funny. It's like everybody, it, uh, culture <laughs> has put the Shemi on him, but it's yeah. really Semi. Uh, so I learned, wow. but I, I felt it, that was a wake-up call moment for me, and that is something that you, I'm glad you bring it up. I, I would remind people to keep that long-term goal in mind and say, mm-hmm. what is it that you really want to do? Because I got so focused on being the best PA um, that in the moment I recognized how influential Steve had been in my young filmmaking life, seeing him act and seeing the roles that he brought to life. I, I recognized that, but I realized I couldn't even have a conversation with him because I just didn't, I didn't have any kind of I wasn't I wasn't a uh, I wasn't thinking like a director or or mm-hmm. really even professionally I was thinking like a fan uh, and mm-hmm. it occurred to me that I shouldn't really I shouldn't be acting that way and if if that's all PAing was going to bring me to that wasn't the path I wanted to be on and yeah those movies sure. that he did if I had only watched In the Soup if I had only watched Living in Oblivion oh my gosh I was I I it's I still kicked myself knowing I was in the <laughs> elevator with him every day on this job. I could have just, you know, somehow mentioned it and said, oh, yeah, I was thinking about doing a movie this way. Just the difference in conversation I would have had as an Mm -hmm. equal minded filmmaker and storyteller rather than a fan who was kind of gawking and saying, oh, you're just great. Thank you for being great. (laughs) It would have been very, very different. Sure. Yeah. But I mean, those are the kinds of like stories that are that are in your book that I think are really valuable, especially to anybody who's like, you know, who's interested in in following along a a similar path. I think it's very instructive. So where can people find your book if they're interested in reading it? The easiest place to go is www.passingplanes.com slash book. I have the link and the trailer and you can buy it online at many stores. And it's also available if you're in uh, New York at a little bookstore called Book Culture up in uh, Long Island City. So um, feel free to to take a peek. Yeah, super nice. If you happen to find yourself up in Long Island City, that'll be the uh, that'll be the place to be, I guess. <laughs> it was the one, it was the one bookstore that would have me. The rest kicked me on the street. So there you go. <laughs> hey, you know that's get out of here, I, I kid. Appreci- 
I appreciate the hustle though. Like you went to the <laughs> you went to different bookstores and you're like, hey, I got a book. Will you will you hold it? You know, but that's that's what you got to do if you want to be a filmmaker, man. You gotta you gotta put yourself out there. I appreciate you recognizing that. It was something that I, I learned it the hard way. And, you know, it, it does speak, like I said, I'd like to think everything can, and you clearly do too, and I admire that about you. You can apply many things to the filmmaker's life or to the artist's life, I suppose, on a broader on a broader term. Um, but yeah, it, 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 it was an honor being a PA. I look back on those days fondly, and um, I do believe there's enough in there in the book to entertain uh, and educate, depending on which side you want to be on. And I tried my best, but feel free to leave a negative review and uh, I'll learn, you know, and, and grow and get better for the next book. That's how it works. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Dan, for joining me. This was a really interesting conversation. Um, and again, like I, I hope everybody, everybody listening considers checking out the book because I think it, uh, it, it'll give you an interesting perspective on the film industry, film and television industry that you just might not have ever considered and uh i think it's worth having in mind it'll it might change your perspective on some of the stuff you're watching here and there thank you for saying that joey i think just the fact that you and i have stayed in touch and met as filmmakers as young filmmakers at a, a little festival in new jersey and have stayed in touch and now you're you're running a podcast and then here you've kindly invited me to talk about my career the fact that this has happened proves that this creative path really could be for you and you don't have to know anyone you don't have to have any kind of special training uh, you can make it happen on your on your own, and um, I'm happy to be here with you, man. <laughs>